What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Kareen Eldor. Ever feel like you're playing small? Well, turn up the volume on my podcast, Share a Voice. Every Thursday, I sit down with the wave makers and game changers on everyone's radar. I'll be sharing inspo and takeaways based on my conversations with disruptors, visionaries, and compelling creatives about how they express themselves in their work. Prepare for tons of mic drop moments and subscribe so that you catch every soundbite. I'm fascinated by the power of feeling heard and taking up space. And I'm amped up about sharing these conversations with you. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole. And each week, I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, everyone, welcome back. This is somebody today, our guest, who I have followed for years and been so inspired by and just hit me the other day. And I was like, I need to bring her on the pod because there's such a joy about her, such a joy about her story in a circumstance that often feels like a big mountain to climb, suddenly feels very normal, very safe. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Katie Rice. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. I followed you for so long. I love that you just inspire me to love myself and encourage so many people to just be happy where you are and be confident and to just really take index of your feelings towards yourself. It's been such a journey. We actually ended up coming across each other by chance because you and I have a mutual friend that I used to work with and hang out with back in high school that moved down. Are you still are you still in Florida? Yes. So my friend who ended up marrying somebody and moved down to Florida. And so we've had this mutual friend and you're just one of these OG people that I follow for so long, but I was saying to you before, and I'm like, I just feel like I've, I've been experiencing this, this journey with you. And now that it's gotten to the point where it's so much further down the road, you have just had such a transformation as well. And I'm just really excited for you to tell your story. Tell us about Ansley and just let's, let's, let's talk about this. So go ahead, take the floor, tell us who you are and, and give us the goods. Yeah. So again, my name is Katie. I live in Florida. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We really only dated each other. We started dating when I was 15 and he was 17 and we got married shortly after high school because we just knew like, 
we're cool. Like this is, this is who we're supposed to be with. And so, yeah, we've been married for 13 years and have been together for 17. So it feels like a lifetime. We knew early on we wanted to have a family and wanted to have kids really young and we wanted to have a lot of kids. And so we were like, let's get started. Let's have fun, you know? And so we started trying. Things didn't happen organically. Uh, Things didn't happen quickly for us. And so I always had like an irregular menstrual cycle. So I kind of assumed that it might take a little bit longer, but I never imagined being in the place where I'm now where I cannot conceive and being okay with it, having peace about it. I mean, it's still, we have bad days and then still allow myself to grieve that, but I'm okay with that. And so we started seeing a fertility specialist and we tried actively for about seven years and it was just heartache after heartache after heartache. And just not being able to make anything work when as a woman, just imagine that your body just works how it's, how you think it's supposed to be. You know, you just imagine this life where you just think about it and get pregnant, you know, and now knowing and going through infertility, that's not realistic. And that's not even the common woman. So many people deal with infertility and so many people are on the same road we're on. And it leads to paths. You either end up getting pregnant with a lot of intervention or you end up not getting pregnant and either being okay with that and you're, you live your life yourself or you enter adoption or, you know, there's so many variables. I always kind of thought about adoption as the years went on of us not being able to conceive, you know, and I just thought, well, maybe that would be our option. And we uh, just prayed so, so hard about it. And finally, one day my husband was like, you know what? what do you think about adoption? I was like, well, actually I printed out a whole bunch of paperwork I had just saved. And so I just presented this whole pamphlet that I had that he had no no idea about. So we started just kind of really praying about it and seeking people in our church just for wisdom, because we didn't really know anyone who had been in the same road as us because infertility is such an isolating journey. Not a ton of people talk about it. It's more talked about now and more recognized, but you know, 12 years ago, it wasn't, you know, and you think you're on this lone road all by yourself and no one's facing these same things when it's not, which is why we feel and have always felt so called to be so open because we, we want people to recognize that they're not going down these roads alone. All right, my fellow Canadians, let's chat about money. But don't worry, we're talking about the fun kind, the kind where you spend and you get to think about it in a whole new way because there's rewards when you spend. Today, I am talking about PC Optimum Points. Y'all know I'm a fan. I've been using them and optimizing my spending with them for years. But if you want to get even more groceries and beauty products for free, well, you now may be able to because PC Financial has a new no monthly fee account that will help you think of your money and spending in a whole new way. It's called the PC Money Account, a bank account that makes everyday spending go further. The PC Money account gets you PC Optimum points for doing everyday things like grocery shopping and online shopping, maybe you're online shopping for your groceries, whatever. We all know we're doing it more than ever, 
And now's the time to make those points turn into more rewards so that you can turn your everyday spending into a little treat for yourself. The PC Money account is a no monthly fee bank account that makes every dollar of your purchases go further with PC Optimum points. I typically like to collect my points, save them for a rainy day. I know I've shared this story before, but there was a time when PC Optimum points literally got me through the Christmas holiday season because they were able to, I was able to use them exactly when I needed them. Not to mention the PC Money account works like a bank account, but rewards users with 10 PC Optimum points for every dollar they spend anywhere they shop. But you can earn 25 points in total per dollar spent at Shoppers Drug Mart. Then as a welcome bonus, you'll get up to 50,000 points if you take advantage of introductory offers when setting up your account and adding things like payroll, direct deposit, or just paying your bills online. For Canadians who are craving more from their money, uh, who isn't, the PC Money account will help you set savings goals all while being rewarded on your spending with loyalty points you can actually use. You also will enjoy free Interact e-transfer services and free withdrawals at PC Financial ATMs across Canada. Signing up is so easy. I did it myself not long ago, and it only took me a couple minutes. Sign up for a PC Money account today to start earning those PC Optimum points and redeeming them on everyday essentials. Go to pcfinancial.ca to open a PC Money account, and you too can start thinking about money in a whole new way. Now let's get back to the show. And to be honest, you're the second person that's come on the podcast. Philippa was another one who married their high school sweetheart, had these assumptions of getting married and having children and that not being the story. And I think that's where we have to kind of remove romanticizing these steps in what relationships look like, how families are built and and how they're rebuilt and, and all of these differences and really starting to open up more of these conversations. And, and you were one of them. You were one of the first people I ever saw actively talking about infertility. And, and I know that that wasn't a small journey. And especially, I think I started coming in when you were kind of in the process of starting to adopt or that Mm -hmm. process of applying. So once you guys kind of landed in that place of now you've like monikered him with this pamphlet of things to, to look over next steps, how did it feel? And how long was that process for you? It took us a while. We started just kind of seeking out different options. You know, do we do foster care? Do we, and back then we thought foster care would be adoption. Um, And now we're on a totally different side of foster care, but we started seeking that out versus private adoption. We started kind of talking about it and I had started an infertility support group in our area. And I just started talking to several of them because all of them had graduated out of the support group, except for Mm. myself. Oh, wow. (laughs) All of them did. So that was kind of a tough, but I started talking to them and just, what are you, what are your thoughts about it? Cause we had grown this special connection with each other. And so they started leading us to friends that they knew that I adopted. And so we just really started chatting and about eight months, a year in, we really sat down with a private adoption attorney and said, this is kind of what we want to do. This is, this is a route I think we're going to take. And as soon as we did that, we had a friend who her mother was a medical foster mom. So it's a foster home that's just for medical kids. And she said, we have this little boy here. He's so precious. He's eight months old. He needs a family and he's got a lot of medical issues. Are you even okay with that? And 
my desperate heart was like, absolutely. I don't, yeah, I don't care. I don't care anything like done. So we met with him, fell in love with him. We knew he was the one for us. We visited him every single night. We went to his therapies and this was for about two months. Okay. And then they had, it's called a staffing where they put, pulled together any eligible families that are eligible to be adopted. And they rank you on like a, a number system. If you are if you live in this county, you're a certain point system. If oh, you're, dang. if you're this race, if you're this gender, just all of these things. And so we weren't chosen, even though we were the only family that had visited him. And that was devastating, really challenging time. So then we started thinking, okay, maybe we're not supposed to adopt. Maybe this is a sign of us to not go this route. So we started struggling with it. And we just were like, no, we got to give it one more try. That, you know, that child was clearly meant for another family and that family was meant for him. We were not meant to be connected. Maybe we were meant to be there just to give him some extra support and love during that time. So that was a disrupted adoption. And so we met with a private adoption agency again. And this was about three months after we realized that wasn't going to work with him. And he told us, okay, here are my fees. You know, it's about a million (laughs) dollars. Insane, insanely expensive. And so we were like, I don't know how we can do this. We both work. Basically, we were 22 years old and like, you're not in a career to where, you know, you're just not there. So we really chatted about it with our community and our community came together and just really supported us financially, prayerfully, emotionally, physically. And so we sent our home study and our, you have to make a profile book, which is a book all about you and your, if you're, if you're married and your home and your pet and basically a birth mom chooses you off of those pictures and those few words that you get to present to them. So it makes you just, it makes my mind and my heart just go, wow, that a birth mother has to choose a forever family for her child based off of a book. You have maybe six or eight photos in there and you're just hoping that those photos are the ones that reach out to her yeah, and speak to her and you hope that she feels connected through that. But a birth mom chose us. And so we were elated and could not believe it. We went through the entire pregnancy with her because we she chose us at month two. And we didn't have much contact because she was incarcerated. And she got out of jail three weeks before her C-section. And so we were able to have dinner with her and her our attorneys. And it was the first time we met. So it was a it was so awkward. I bet. You know? But I'm like, I've been praying for you every single day, all day long, you know? And really, I've been praying for you in a weird way my whole life that I just yeah. didn't directly these last few months. And she was just so kind and she was so nervous and just, you could tell she felt very shamed and very shameful and embarrassed. And so that whole dinner, we just reassured her that she's doing what she thinks is best for her child. She's doing the most selfless act of saying, I can't provide, so I'm going to give her a better life you know? And so we really just tried to reassure. And that's how we feel. This, that's a genuine feeling for us. She kept saying like, this is your baby. Like I, I disconnected, like this is your child. 
I can't wait for you to be parents to her and all these things. And so we left feeling like this is happening. This is our time. Like this is our time. This is it. This is the blessing we've been praying for. She was scheduled for her C-section and we went, my family went, Ben's family went. We're sitting in the waiting room and, you know, 30 minutes to an hour goes by and we're like, okay, we should be hearing something because it's a C-section. So, you know, you're in and out. Yeah, it's quick. And so didn't hear anything. Went two hours in by and didn't hear anything. And we're like, maybe a complication happened. Maybe she's just having a hard time. You know, if she wanted to spend time with the baby right after or something, I had no idea. We were just in this state of euphoria, basically. Yes. You know, because we're just sitting in the waiting room, like chomping at the bit. And all of a sudden the phone rings in the waiting room and they ask for our caseworker. And our caseworker looks at us because we're like sheer panicking when the phone rings. And she's like, sometimes the birth moms just want to spend time with their, with the baby. You know, that's okay. She's like, it's okay. Like, just relax for a second. Mm-hmm. So she went, she went in there and she came back out and you could tell immediately something was wrong. You could see it on her face. You could, there was no masking it. She was crying. She was just white as a ghost. And she comes out and says, she's changed her mind and she wants to keep the baby. I immediately just fell to the ground. It was like watching out of my body. I just fell to the ground and Ben picked me up and literally just put me in the bathroom so I could just like have a second because I was beside myself. It was a feeling I've never felt before in my life. It was like I just watched or just found out my child had died. If you're looking for an easy and tasty way to add more veggies into your diet, then look no further than Holy Veggie. Y'all know I'm a fan of Holy Veggie. I love to crisp up some little cauliflower bites in the oven. And not only that, so many of you have also been sharing your photos of your reactions to Holy Veggie as well. I knew you would love it, which makes it so much more fun for me to kind of share in that experience with you. But let's talk about Holy Veggie. Holy Veggie was founded by two friends on a mission of helping inspire a better way to feed the planet. The company's complete line of plant-based foods from cauliflower wings to their new veggie full meals are about three simple things, quality, taste, and celebrating the vegetable. Holy Veggie's line of products are about being veggie forward and seeing veggies in every bite. The full product line is also non-GMO and completely soy and gluten-free, which I'm super happy about. Now, the cauliflower and broccoli wings, in my personal opinion, the hero product. If you've ever gone out into a restaurant and tried cauliflower wings or those broccoli bites, it's so hard to replicate at home. But Holy Veggie's cauliflower and broccoli wings are like none other. They're made from freshly picked cauliflower and broccoli florets. Then they're lightly coated in a crunchy panko and crispy tempura batters. These wings are a perfect fit for a plant-based taco night as well, or an after-school snack for kids. Holy Veggie's broccoli and cauliflower wings can be found at major grocery stores in Canada, such as Metro, Sobeys, Save-On Foods, as well as across the United States at Target and your local co-op. Now about those veggie full meals, because straight from the kitchen comes Holy Veggie's newest line of delicious plant-based goodness, the veggie full meals. High in plant-based protein and over 50% of your daily fiber. It's a complete meal to keep you nourished the entire day. Their veggie full meals will have you rethink what a frozen meal is. Built with quality vegetables and seasonings from the ground up, these meals are filled with goodness. Their new line aims to create a full, ready-to-eat meal 
without the prep work. Simply grab a bag, pop it into the microwave or pan, and in six minutes, you're done. Holy Veggie is reinventing the frozen meal by swapping out the common meat and potatoes with great tasting, good for you ingredients like vegetables. To find Holy Veggie's newest line, head on over to holyveggie.com. And y'all, I'm not going to lie. I love when you share in your Instagram stories when you've tried Holy Veggie, especially those cauliflower wings that you know I love. So continue tagging me in Holy Veggie. We love seeing them and I love just sharing in the experience with you. So enjoy your veggies. Never thought I'd say that, but heck yes, they are so, so tasty and good. And like I mentioned, you can find them at major grocery stores in Canada, Metro, Sobeys, Save on Foods, as well as across the U.S. at Target and your local co-op. But let's get back to the show. You'd be grieving, but yet they're alive and somehow have to grapple with the mother and her rights and, you know, loving on her and also allowing yourself that full grief. Yeah. And our our whole family's there. And so they're looking at us and they don't know what to say. And we're hysterical. I mean, I'm, I'm beyond hysterical. You have to respect that because she has those rights and you know, that's an option, but you don't think that that's going to happen to you. Not at that point. No. No, you don't think. I never would have thought in a million years that that would have happened. So the caseworker said, just hang around here for a little while. Leave the hospital. Hang around here for a couple of hours. She's like, it could change at any second. You know, she said, just hold tight. Just hang around here. Go get something to eat. So I remember my sweet family. They're like, let's just go get something to eat. So we're all sitting at the table. And I just, I remember it was like I was outside of my body. I just sat there numb, like not like trying to process it, but not trying to process it either because you don't want it to be real. So we just sat there and I think we sat there for maybe three or four hours. It was a long time. And finally, my grandmother, who I'm the closest with, looked at me and said, it's time to go home. Mm. Time to go home. Because we were about an hour and a half from home. And so we left. And as soon as we get home, we opened the door and I had forgot I had that house set up for a baby to come home to. Oh my gosh, that's right. I had a swing in the living room. I had bottles on the counter. I had blankets on the couch. Oh my it gosh. was like a second punch. And so Ben, again, physically picked me up and took me to the bedroom, shut the door and him and my mom and my grandmother and my aunt just took everything from the house and just shoved it into the nursery and locked the door. And I just, I slept for days. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe what was happening. I could not believe what was happening. So we had some really sweet friends who sent us away just a couple cities away for just two nights, just to get away from our house and just think through things. Like we didn't know what was happening. Yeah. And let's remind ourselves like parents rights when you've experienced a loss, but you don't have the same amount of like grievance rights that if somebody experienced child loss, you would have that time immediately off work or have like a lot of support systems in place. You've got nothing. You're just, you're just regular, go back to your life and, and like nothing happened. So that trip must've felt so necessary. It really was. And it wasn't something that I even would have ever thought of, but it was so sweet of them to just say, here you go, like get in the car and go. And it was, it was just such a special time with us that we just tried to make normal, but we, it was like, we both feel we were so numb. 
I don't like, I don't really know if we even talked. I don't know what we did. We just felt so numbing in that. And it was just a crazy experience. And then we come home and he had to go back to work. I had to go back to work. It just was, okay, you're supposed to be normal again. You're supposed to just pop back in. And so we went to work and about three months later, we finally started to feel like we could heal. And so we started working out again. We started feeling like, okay, we're just going to put our life back together and just close that door. We can't wallow in that any longer. And so we started just feeling normal again, about three, three and a half months. And then at the four month mark, we get a phone call and I was at lunch. I happened to have this weird day off and I was at lunch with a girlfriend and I saw our attorney call and I just clicked decline because I was like, I can't even deal with that. Like, I haven't heard from him in four months. What does he want? I don't even want to deal with this. You know, so we sat there for a couple more hours just chit-chatting. And I get in the car and I listen to the voicemail and he's like, you need to call me back immediately. And so I call him back and he's like, she's on the way with the baby. She says she doesn't want the baby anymore and she's on the way. We've already paid for her taxi. You need to get here. Oh, wow. I'm thinking... Is this a joke? Like, you know, what in the world? I asked him, I said, is she saying like, hey, I'm coming for money? Like, what is, what's happening? You know, I just know how to understand that. And he was like, no, I'm serious. You need to come. So for some reason, I went home and took a shower. And I just feel like I was just, again, kind of numb. And like, Well, how do you even trust that? Like after everything, like I feel like if I was in that same position, I'd be like, I'm just going to play it like it's nothing happening. And like, yeah, I'll just assume that she maybe needs something or I'm just going to assume that maybe she wants to talk or visit or, you know, explain. I would not be going down. Like, I would be the same as you. Like, I can't make this a big deal. Like, your brain would almost shut off capacity for For hope in that situation. Yeah, I just, for some reason, went home and took a shower. And then I called Ben. And I think maybe my mind was like trying to process what I heard in a weird way, because I hadn't even called Ben yet. And so I called him and I told him what our attorney said. And he's like, really? And he said, well, I'm on top of a roof right now working. So I'll come down there as soon as I can. And because I think he was the same way, like, wait, what? I mean, it's been four months. What's happening? And so we get there and sure enough, she's in the office with the baby, with Ansley, who was then Emily. And she's, got her a little car seat that's just all buckled wrong. It's all dirty and it's just, it's a mess. And I'm looking and I'm like, is that them? And then I see some family members with her. And so we go in, I go inside and I'm by myself because Ben hasn't made it there yet. And she literally just hands me the car seat and it's like, here's the baby and walks outside. And I was like, what do I do here? And so I look over and I see her sister bawling and I'm, you know, and I'm just like, maybe have you been taking care of her? Like who's been taking care of her for four months? What's happening? She was very skinny. She was five pounds. And so her, her clothes were tied up with rubber bands. Such a sign of like what happens with a lack of financial access as well. Did you know that it's actually way harder to notice dehydration in the winter months than it is the summer? I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense when you think about it. You kind of get thirstier in the summertime or you're feeling that heat a little bit more and you're desiring to quench it. But in the winter, we kind of 
don't think about it that much. And I don't know about you, but that tends to be the case for me. I tend to get way more dehydrated in the winter than I ever do in the summer months, which is why I'm really excited this year to be going into those colder seasons and months with liquid IV. Liquid IV is a game changer in my world. I've been using it all this year and it's really helped me through my pregnancy, staying hydrated. And it, before I was pregnant, actually helped me with, uh, you know, that after, after a good little night out, having that hydration in the morning to save you from a hangover when I was traveling, all of these different things that it could really lend itself to. But now we're going into the holiday season and we know that flu season tends to line up with the holiday season as well. So why not use liquid IV to help support your immune system with increased hydration and essential vitamins? It's not just about hydration. You're going to get your vitamin kick too. It's perfect for staying hydrated through those colder winter months as well as the holidays. And like I mentioned, it can even help with those hangovers and those from those extra holiday drinks. And Liquid IV's best-selling hydration multiplier now has three new flavors, guava, watermelon, and apple pie. I personally love Liquid IV because it's super easy to just add into a glass of water. One stick of Liquid IV into 16 ounces of water and you get two to three times that amount of hydration as plain water alone, meaning you only have to drink one to have the equivalency of drinking three glasses of water, which to me just makes my day run a whole lot smoother. It comes in so many different flavors. I'm a super fan of the lemon lime, but also the new flavors being sweet and juicy guava, crisp watermelon, and comforting apple pie. They also include five essential vitamins. I mentioned vitamins, but let's break it down. You get more vitamin C than an orange and as much potassium as a banana. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors, preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. It's also made with clean ingredients that are non-GMO, vegan, and free of gluten, dairy, and soy. But what makes it so effective? Well, it's something they call cellular transport technology. The optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream. It's the perfect balance to help you hydrate more quickly and effectively than water alone. One stick of liquid IV into 16 ounces of water gives you as much hydration as two to three bottles of plain water. Not only that, and this is my favorite part, liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. The company has actually donated over 5 million servings globally. And right now, in response to COVID-19, products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Over 3 million servings in total so far. Now, Liquid IV is available nationwide in the U.S. at Walmart, in the beverage section, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code PAPAYA at checkout. That's actually 25% off anything you order when you use promo code PAPAYA at liquidiv.com. So you too can get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code PAPAYA. Let's get back to the show. This is not just a simple story. These are these are common stories. And she likely was starting to feel very detached, which is probably why it was a lot easier to kind of just hand over this car seat. Did you get a chance to talk to her sister? I did. So her sister, we were sitting there at the table. The attorney was outside talking to the mom, trying to 
figure out what was happening. And so I look at the sister and she introduces herself and she's just streaming tears. And so I asked her, I said, has she been with you? And she said, no, but I can't get pregnant. I've been trying 10 years to get pregnant. And I immediately about just fell out of my chair because I can't imagine my sister getting pregnant and then giving away her child, knowing that I can't get pregnant myself. And so I immediately, I'm holding sweet Ansley and I'm looking at her and I just hug her and I'm, I just have, my heart just broke for her because I, so then I'm in a weird emotional frenzy and I'm still here by myself and still hasn't made it. And so I'm hugging the aunt and I'm holding Ansley who I desperately want and I love so much in 10 seconds, but I'm almost feel guilty. You know, I almost feel so guilty about taking her. And she said she had been a big part of taking care of her and she just couldn't get pregnant and she loves her and she wants her to have the best life. And they were living in a motel and it was just a bad situation. So Ben finally comes and I'm like, this is her. This is, this is her. And our attorney just, he's like, yeah, she doesn't want to keep her. She wants y'all to have her. And so we signed papers and leave. And so I'm driving home. We hadn't told anyone because it was just I barely called Ben. So we hadn't told anyone. And so on the way home, I'm like, I should probably call my mom and my grandparents and Ben's mom. I should probably call these people. And so I'm calling and I'm like, you will never guess who was in my backseat screaming right now. You will never guess. So of course they drop everything and run to our house because such a, they're such a support system for us, which we are so fortunate to have a support system like that. And Ben gets, he follows me home and he goes and mows the grass because he's I think, just panicking. Yeah. And just like me taking a shower, I think you're just like, now we look back and we're like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just like, is this real? Like, I have to go do something real life to feel, is this real life? Is this real life? Yeah. You know? So our very first picture of us with her, he's in the, we're in the yard and he's all sweaty from mowing. It's such like a fun memory though, because it's just like, what? But yeah, she, she came to us and which is insane and only something that God could have intervened with us and that we believe we were meant to be together mm-hmm. because that there are so many variables that could have happened. The fact that she came to us is a miracle that she, bio mom came to our attorney and then the attorney called us. I mean, it just really is a story for us. So fortunate for that. That night just stared at her, you know, all night long, that new baby. She's four months old, but she's so tiny. So tiny. Yeah. Five pounds. pounds. So we knew something. I was going to ask, did you know that something was different? Like immediately, or did she have any idea that something was different? She didn't say anything to us. The birth mother didn't say anything. She really just handed us the car seat and left. Okay. So no real goodbyes there. No real. Okay. And that may have been a way for her to just yeah. detach. Yeah, absolutely. Rip the band-aid. Which makes just, sense why she wouldn't give it to her sister, to be honest. Yes. Needed oh, that yeah. detachment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So we didn't have anything. We didn't have any birth record. We had nothing. So the first night we knew she was just really tiny and maybe she was malnourished. Maybe she didn't get enough formula. Something. 
And she started doing these movements that night. And we were like, what are these weird movements where her body would just really stiffen? Like her arms would go out and her legs would go out really stiff. And we're brand new parents. We've never had kids. So we're like, I don't know. Maybe that's what four months old, four month olds do, you know? And so Ben started, for some reason, he got on YouTube and found infant seizures. I don't know how he linked that. And oh. he said, Katie, this looks just like what she's doing. And I was like, yeah, it does. I was like, but surely she's not having a seizure. Surely. I mean, what baby has a seizure really? We were, I mean, we were just so naive and just like, no, this is our bait. You know, you just don't think those things. And we knew we had a pediatrician the next morning. So we went and it was just someone that we had found with her insurance. So it definitely wasn't someone we had chosen, but we get there and he, he had, was able to pull her records and he looked at us and he's like, you don't want this baby. He's like, what? do not. <gasps> he was like, she's retarded. She won't. They even anything. use that word anymore. No, well, this was six oh. years ago. And still we were in. So he goes, she's retarded. She won't amount to anything. If she lives, like you don't want this baby. And Ben and I, we've had this baby less than 24 hours. Our heart and soul that we have waited for years for. We have waited years for her. And you've already gone through the process of trying to adopt a medically needy child, right? Yes. And so we look at each other and we're like, did that come out of his mouth? You know, now I would have had, I would have said a lot of things. (laughs) Then I didn't say much. Now it's completely different. Six years of advocacy under my belt. That would have been another uh, conversation. But we just looked at each other and couldn't believe it. So we ended up, the next day going to our children's hospital because she kept having these things and she didn't have any at the doctor's appointment. And so we couldn't, he had no idea. And honestly, it wasn't a great relationship that we had created with him because he had told us not to adopt her. And so we ended up at the hospital the next day and stayed there for several months and found out she has lysencephaly, which is a smooth brain. So our brains have all these grooves and ridges, which is development. And hers looks like a crystal ball. There's no development there. Found that out. We found out she was so skinny because she wasn't able to suck and swallow. So she most likely had a bottle propped in her mouth and it was just coming out. How it drown her is a miracle. And it's, yeah, I was going to say, how is she even alive? Like that's an absolute miracle. Absolutely. And the doctors there were just saying the exact same thing that it really is a miracle that she had made it. And so we realized, okay, she needed a feeding tube. She needs a feeding tube. You know, that is a huge deal to not be able to just sit there and give your baby a bottle. You know, we, and we worked with speech therapists while we were in the hospital and trying to teach her. And then when they did all these brain scans and realized her brain is not developed, they had to have the hard conversation. So fortunate. I have a girlfriend who has a daughter or well, she did have a feeding tube. She doesn't have it any longer. And so I was able to call her and this is what they're telling me. And they want to put her on the surgery schedule for tomorrow. What do I do? And she came up there, just dropped everything and came up and just prayed with us and let us know that it's not the end of the world to have a feeding tube. Yeah. It doesn't lessen your quality of life. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's different and it's a different routine and it's supplies and things like that, but it doesn't mean that you have any less quality of life because you have a feeding tube. In fact, it means quite the opposite. If she can't get her nutrition by sucking and swallowing, 
put it in her stomach and call it a day. And you know, she's getting what she needs. Absolutely. She was able to kind of tell us those hard, hard to hear things as a parent, as a brand new parent too. And so sure enough, she got a, a feeding tube and we stayed in the hospital as they worked through, we did find out she was having seizures. Those movements were seizures and learned about lysencephaly and a hard realization when the doctor said, come look at her MRIs with us and just showed us that it was so smooth. And then at first we were like, is that, is that what the brain's supposed to look like? I don't know. Yeah. How do you know? So then he pulled up like a typical kid's brain and he was like, this is what it should look like. And he spent probably an hour just explaining the things to us. And I, for the life of me, couldn't pronounce lysencephaly. Yeah, I was like, please don't ask me to. I had it written down on a sheet of paper for the longest time because I had never heard of it, didn't know anything about it. And then when you research, it's horrible. The prognosis is not wonderful. We just stopped researching. but. We learned that she had lysencephaly and microcephaly, and she was actually diagnosed at birth as blind. And so we thought she was blind. And so we had all this testing done and realized she's not blind. She just has very little vision and all of these, all of these diagnoses that come along with a special needs person. And so we get out of the hospital and we're like, okay, now what? Now they're throwing, you need physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, vision therapy. You need to get tested for hearing. You need to do all these things and see all these specialists. And I call that the discovering phase where you're just learning everything. You're just discovering. It's like you're on this voyage of like, okay, I've got, I'm I'm learning about this and I'm learning about this. And she needs this medication and this therapy to treat this, but we need this medication therapy to treat this. How were you in that time? Because I know that this is something when we talk about diagnoses, this is this is a path that a lot of people end up on. If it's for yourself, if it's for your child, and it can be a really scary road. For you, realistically, I know you're very positive in the way you speak about being a special needs parent now, but back then, how did it feel to have gone through all of this infertility journey through failed adoptions, one and a half times, I guess, to now be discovering that this child you've waited for has great needs. Was that something that it lended itself to you that you had this long wait or was it a struggle? Like why? It was definitely, we had days of struggle. I wouldn't allow myself to dwell on that because I am a positive person. I always have been. I've gone through a lot in my life and I've chose to go the positive route. But I 100%, Ben and I both, we would have days of like, why were we put together with, when we tried so hard, we went through so many years and we went through this little sweet boy and that was disrupted. And then she was disrupted. And then now we finally have a family that we wanted. And it's so different than what we imagined. Yeah. So different. And so different. We, we had these moments, of course, of just like, what's happening? Is this really kind of what we signed up for? Is this what we wanted? And Ben was, I mean, Ben is just, he's so quiet, but the things he says are just so he knows how to speak to me and knows mm. how to speak to my heart. And he's just remind me that God created Ansley. God created us and he put us together. That's not a mistake. That's not a mistake. We don't know why. 
We don't know why we had to struggle for so long. We do believe that our disruption of the little boy was maybe to teach us that we could handle medical needs because we knew his medical needs and said yes. Yes, that's true. So maybe that was that reasoning that we were put together and put in his life for just a short little time was to say, we said yes to that. So why would we say anything else to her? You know, and when you just look at her and she just smiles, it just, all those fears and worries go away. When she is screaming and crying, especially as a baby, she was so fussy because she was having so many seizures and they were really hard on her body. I mean, they're still very hard on her body, but they were really uncontrolled back then. And when she would only calm when her or, or myself or Ben would hold her, I was, those are the moments that you hold on to. Those are the moments that you say, we were meant to be together. We were meant to be together. And so he would speak those words over me. We knew our church was fam- family was praying for us and they would encourage us and our family was encouraging us. So we definitely had some hard, hard days, but I would not allow them to turn into multiple days or weeks because then you just find yourself in that hole and it's so hard to come out of. Yeah. It's so hard to come out of. And I didn't want to allow myself because I also didn't want to take anything away from Ansley and think of her as less than. Right. Because if I'm saying, well, this isn't exactly what I pictured. Well, what am I saying about her? Am I saying that she's not worth us loving her as we do? Is she not worth being a part of our family? Then that's just how I had to kind of remind myself that she is everything I ever wanted and been ever wanted. Like she is our family. She's absolutely who she's supposed to be. She's not made in mistake or not made by accident or made wrong. You know, she's made perfectly. And for us, that's it. That's it. And I think what's so fascinating about your story, I have a friend in in my hometown and she has two special needs kids that she's adopted. The first they were not aware had special needs at the time of adoption. And then later they adopted from overseas. I can't remember where specifically. And they knew that there was special needs in the situation. And what I found so interesting about that journey was that a lot of times when we hear about special needs parents, it's like a circumstance of not of choice. So it's a hard thing for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. Why would you choose this? This is so much. This is such a, and then to also be able to have that space to hold where being a mom of a disabled child or special needs child is hard. And I feel like because I've had somebody in my relational world, as well as following you, it's also just, it's broken down a lot of those misinformed um, things like it's joyless or it's just always hard. I know that there, there is a lot of, it's, it's a, it's an entirely different parenting journey, but what I've really respected and admired about you is like, I literally tear up all the time because it's like, we always get opportunities to see parents being parents. And it's always such a beautiful journey. Like it really, really is, but there's so, there's so something so special about Ansley. Like there just is. And it's been, it's, it's so fascinating to watch you love on her and just see this bond that you guys have that can't be spoken in the same way. It's like in sounds and it's like in little faces that she makes. And, and it's so beautiful to see like, this was also choice. Like this was also, I chose you in love. I chose this. And, but like, that's still a big Big, big choice. Are you still able to work? Are you like, let's even talk 
how are you supported in all of her needs? Like realistically, even when we have these conversations, like it's so nice to choose in love, a lot of people don't even have that option because the needs for access and the needs for um, supporting a disabled child are so large that financially, a lot of families, I have a friend right now who she's an adult disabled and can't afford a vehicle, can't afford the independence because the cost of everything is so much higher. Is there support? I'm in Canada, so it's so different here. How's the support system for you guys when it comes to actually tangibly raising Ansley? Yeah, so it's it's definitely different. <laughs> it's definitely different. We relied on our communities so much in the beginning, and we really are so fortunate to have such a support system with family and friends and even our community on Instagram and Facebook, you know, the people that have... Because we, I'd started Instagramming before Ansley, and then I just kind of took people along our whole journey. And so, so many people were able to support us physically, emotionally, financially. And so we, like, we needed a wheelchair van. She was too big for a car seat that was fitted for her, and she was having a lot of problems with seizures when we would transition her, like, movement, sitting up getting into the car seat, getting out of the car seat. And so we just kind of put it out there to our community. Like, this is what we need. Does anyone have a van or does anyone kind of, you had to put yourself in such a vulnerable spot. It's very hard to say, can anyone spare $5 to support our family? But at the same time, let's be the village for folks who are doing this hard work and raising these children. Like, that are such valuable members of our society. Like I've got to say it, like they are like Ansley, what she's done through non-communicative experiences of what you shared online. I'm sorry, it's changing lives. Like she's valuable. And so to, I would, I love framing it as more of like, what an opportunity to be a village, like what an opportunity to give, to give up coffee this week and help somebody get that accessibility. I think that we really need to shift our mindset in the way that we, we look and approach being supportive because it's be so hard when you're in that position of need. Like, how do I, how do I ask? How do I even get there? How do you ask? And we feel the same way because we support so many. If anyone's looking for a wheelchair van, medical equipment, if we can do it, like we want to help, you know, I mean, we're not financially well off. Like we're two hardworking parents. My husband works outside of the home. I work inside of the home, which I'm very fortunate to have a position where I can still work home with Ansley. We feel that way. We feel let's be the village because so many people were a village for us. I worked outside of the home for a while and we had in-home nursing that would help us out. And we still have in-home nursing at nighttime. Okay. Um, just so that we can sleep. Yeah, we don't have rest. Time. We have it a lot, but not all okay. the time. <laughs> you need that rest too. Like when you're doing the work, you need that rest. They're invaluable. I cannot put a dollar price on them. When you find ones that treat your kid like their own. It's just so special. We've gone through some doozies and we've gone through some great ones. So we have night nursing. Now that I'm home, I don't do day nursing because I'm able to do it with Ansley. Um, But that's an option. There are medical daycares that are an option as well, but everything's a cost. Every single thing, a bath chair, which is made of PVC pipe and netting is going to cost you easily $800. A jogger stroller that's exactly like big name brand jogging stroller, just larger, it's going to cost you $1,500 at least, you know, a, a bed for Ansley, $3,000, you know, gosh. every, and it's just because it's labeled medical diapers, mm-hmm. 
you, you pass the store size seven and you have to go up, it's insanely cost. Wow. The medications are over six grand a month. You know, it's just everything is a cost. So we try and find hacks, you know, like we put a hundred dollar massage table in our living room for I her. I saw that. Those things. And we love sharing those things because like, do this too. Like this is an affordable option for families, you know? And so whenever we find something, I'm like, I've got to share this, you know, anything like that. But everything is a cost. If it is labeled a medical supply, it's things like gauze pads that you can buy at Walgreens. If you order them through a supply, a supply company, they're six times the cost. Exactly the same in a different wrapper. You know, it's just everything is so expensive in the medical world. Why these conversations are so important though, because it's such a great opportunity to say to brands, you know what, there's families out here that could really use this support, that could really use you just creating that little bit extra inclusivity in your product lines. What an impact it could make on so many families. What I love about you though is, you've been a community leader since your infertility days. Like this is like, obviously you have this storytelling ability to you, but now this is like an entirely different community. And it's been like, I'm from somebody who doesn't, I'm not a special needs parent, but yet I sit and I watch you like do instructional videos or show like different things about her feeding tube and, and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, like this is really interesting. Now I actually get to like learn. I don't need to, I don't need to learn it, but it's really nice to be able to learn alongside you. But I can't imagine how that is for somebody who is maybe in that discovery phase, maybe in that, what is my life prognosis look like now with a special needs child? Talk to me about how has it been now building this community of special needs parents? It's so funny that you mentioned that too, because my girlfriend, Tara, she <laughs> tells me all the time, share more of this stuff. Every time you share she, she, doing her G2 or her trade, she's like, I love it. And she's a part of our daily life. But it's so normal for us that I'm like, I don't think it's that fascinating. But when you, but again, it's just because it's so normal for us. But it is when we were in the discovery phase, I searched high and low for special needs parents because I'm like, what is my life going to look like? We just got this G2. Does our life have to stop? You know, and now, of course, in this side, I'm like, it's nothing for us, (laughs) but it's a huge decision. It's a huge, I mean, it's a huge life changer. It is a very big thing, but for us now, it's just another part of her, you know, it's just a tube that's really cute on her little fat belly. It's so fun to have met so many special needs parents, mainly moms, 99% moms on our Instagram and Facebook, because it's just, they... I'll share something and they have questions or, and sometimes they're even like, oh, have you tried this? And I'm like, thank you. Like, thank you. You know, I, I don't know that I would say like, I feel like a veteran yet, but I feel like we're out of that discovery phase. And so we're in just kind of the maintain and we've got our routines. We've got our things that work for us. We've, but then we kind of, every time she grows a little bit, we get into a little bit of a discovery phase. Like, the, the massage table and the bath chair, you know, like, okay, she's too big for these things. So what's next? So I still search for other family members with older kids or adults, you know, now I'm kind of looking at adults because she's so big. Like how miraculous is that though? She's gotten so big. 
huge, but it's so, it's so special to hear from special needs moms and they say, Hey, you shared this and I tried it and it has been a game changer for me. And then I'm like, I'm so glad I shared that, you know, something that's so normal. And I feel like people don't really want to see. It's just, it's huge. I was talking to someone the other day about diapers and I've shared about diapers here and there, but I don't share very often about it, but she was like, Hey, you shared this a couple of months ago and I finally ordered these diapers and they are a game changer. They fit. Thank you for sharing them. And I'm like, I didn't even think people like that would be, but then I'm like, yeah, of course you don't know about how to order or what kinds of diapers options are out there. Then there's someone like me, I announce I'm pregnant and I get like ads for different diapers every two seconds. I'm privileged with gajillions of options. And there's families who literally have to like, time is money. Like, let's be honest here. Not yeah. only that, oh, and you're, yeah. you rely on community. So you've become this community, this information exchange so that parents who literally maybe only have one choice of something can go out and find it without having to go through these leaps and bounds of, you know, red tape on, on, you know, raising a special needs child. Absolutely. So we feel, I mean, there are definitely some things that we don't share about Ansley, some, just some private things, but majority of her stuff we do share. And it's a little hard because she can't necessarily give consent. So there are some things that we keep because I, I don't think that she would want us to share about. Fair. I love that you say that. I'm, I'm, I'm such a huge advocate of like not asking my baby for any type of consent until she can speak and tell me like, and that, and that's what I do for my kids now. And, but having a child that can't speak and tell you, you almost have to become that voice for them. And so like creating those divides and that separation, but I, I have to ask, what would you say now to, and, and now going through this, you're Ansley's six now, right? She's six. My gosh, I can't believe it's been six years. I just like have, I swear it's like burned in my memory, that photo of you guys when like you first announced that like she was yours. My gosh, it's just, it's so magical to see now six years later, but Ansley is now six. So you've had six years of processing, discovering everything. There are people listening right now or have people in their world who might not be listening that they're going to send this to, who have just found out either at birth or during pregnancy or through the process of adoption that their child too has special needs. What would you say to them now being, I'm not going to say on the other side, you're on the thick of it, but you're, you're past that discovery and a lot of those initial fears. What would you say to parents who are really starting to having to make those hard choices? Remember that they are your child first. It's, it's hard when the doctors come in and they're talking all of these big things and the nurses are saying all these things and it's so fearful, but to remember that they're your baby first, like she's still my baby first. Anything that comes our way, I think of her as she's a human being who has the same needs that we do. They're just a little bit different. So just remembering that She's just a little six-year-old girl. And to keep that in our forefront and to just take every single day at a time, to not borrow worry and not borrow trouble about the future because we have no idea. The doctors, she shouldn't be here. If we were to listen to the doctors, she would not have made it past age really? two. Oh, I didn't know that. No, she should not be here. She, we were told she would not live past age two. And here we are, six years old, a first grader. You know, so if we would have had kept on to that fear, 
we would have missed out on so much joy because fear overrides joy. Like that feeling, that's, that speaks a lot louder than joy if you allow it. So we would have missed out on just having the joy of that. So we, we always said we will not listen to that. And there are high statistics on divorce in special needs parenting. It's 80%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we, from the beginning, decided that's not the path that we're going to take. We can allow this to rip us apart. And, you know, and I mean, that happens. That happens every day without a special needs child. And we had conversations of that during infertility. You know, I told Ben, this is your chance to get out and go marry someone who can give you a baby. Like, this is it. But when we had Ansley and heard about that, we're like, that's not going to be us. So we, again, chose to say whatever happens, whether that be good or bad with Ansley, let's make this bring us together as a family. Let's keep that communication open. And so that's super important to just like find your priorities and find the joy and just focus there. Like, don't shift your eyes from the joy that you have with your little one. Don't, just don't blink, you know, don't shift your focus because it's so hard because it's such an overwhelming brain because not only are you dealing with just being a mom in general, because that's so, that's so much being a spouse, a mom, a house manager, if you're working, and then you add therapists, specialists, you add all these fears, all this applies, all these things you have to coordinate, it becomes this really chaotic index in your brain. And so just say, you know what, I'm going to put a pause on that. And I'm just going to focus here right now. She's here. We're thriving. She's happy. She's loved. I love her so much. And that's what I'm going to choose to focus on. That's where I'm going to kind of lay. We have to end on that note for damn sure. That was like, but that's exactly it. And that's exactly why I wanted you on is because you bring joy to that process. You bring joy uh, apart from fear. When you go and experience your Instagram page and your stories with Ansley, like it is joy. It is every day. And, And I think that it's so special as a witness to see that, to see that there can be amidst all of this fear, amidst this grief, amidst this really troubling circumstances sometimes, look at the joy. And I feel like when the focus is there, that's what's that's what pull like that's what makes you so addictive to watch. That's what makes it so honestly, when even when you were doing like you were saying, like some of the changing of people were saying that they love like learning things or seeing the changing of things. I was like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I think it's because even as you're doing it, you don't talk about it as if it's like a negative thing. It's like a joy filled part of your moment. Like to me, it's similar to when I would witness moms giving their babies a bath at nighttime. And it's like this joyous little moment. You're still having these joys and these things that could really rip people up and could really make it feel like such a burden. And you've created it as such a joy. I'm so honored you came on here today. I'm so honored for the advocacy you do for special needs, for the parents, for the children, for disabled folks everywhere. Tell everyone where they can find you and join along on this joy journey. Yeah, you can follow us along. We do majority of our day on Instagram, uh, Ansley and Mama. It used to be Ansley is fancy and that's kind of her hashtag. And a girlfriend started that she was like, Ansley is so fancy. And I was like, I always had the big bows on her and she had bell bottoms. She always had ruffles everywhere. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Just a queen. You know, I would skip dinner to be able to buy her an extra hair bow, you know, (laughs) 
literally, literally, because I, she just was such a, she is such a joy. But yeah, so we do most of our life on Ansley and Mama. So have AnsleyandMama.com, which is kind of where I've just started blogging on that. But we share, yeah, we share a majority of our life on Instagram. That's kind of where we have built this community. And we are so thankful for that platform too. It can bring so much hardship and negativity. And we are so thankful for it too, because it has brought us so much joy and such a community. Well, thank you so much, Katie. You are just a delight. And I'm so excited that everyone kind of got to know you. For everyone listening, I'm going to have everything we just mentioned in the show notes. So take some time, go and discover and go see Ansley. She is like just the sweetest little thing ever. It's been such a joy following them for six years. I know that you guys can hop on and scroll back and kind of be a part of that whole journey too. So Katie, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having us. I appreciate it. It was so fun. So fun. And to everyone listening, we will see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.